Let's pray together. God, you have prepared a table. You've prepared the table. You've set it before us. God, we thank you. It's not by accident that we're in this place. You've actually, by your spirit, called us here to worship you and to hear your word. And so we ask that you'd speak. God, we're ready to to eat your word. We're ready to, to hear your voice today. Bring it to us. God, thank you. In your name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You can have a seat this morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm Jono. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, the title of this message is Love Without Limits. Love Without Limits. No, it's not a continuation of Less Sex and Marriage from DJ, but uh, he did a great job. You can go listen uh, to last week's message. It's funny how we get an attendance boost whenever we talk about love, sex, and marriage, um, which is a great thing. But today we're talking about love without limits. We love to push limits as humans, don't we? We love to, to push our limits. We have a hard time embracing our limits. We like to see how far we can get to the edge of our limits. And um, maybe I'm just going to have the house, the house lights come up a little bit for me t- this morning, if that's possible, so I can see everybody out there. Um, but... Uh, Humans, we just, we have this thing about limits that we want to get to the edge. We want to, we want to see how far we can get before disaster happens. Isn't that true for most of us? I, I, know, I know limits are kind of scary, but they're also something that we like to push through. We like to see how far we can get. I've been fascinated with a, a recent show that came out by Jimmy Chin. He's, a, he's an extreme sports photographer called The Edge of the Unknown, and he documents these stories of elite, extreme athletes, like the best of the best athletes, and they are, they're, they're jumping off 50-foot, you know, 50-foot waterfalls and kayaks, getting lost in avalanches on mountains. There's super sketchy climbing situations people get in, and as, as we see people push their limits, he tells the story the stories masterfully of, of how things go very bad when we push our limits. Things go very bad. And so I started thinking about Jesus and, and Jesus pushing his limits. And Jesus, maybe, what if he was, a, a, what if he was an extreme sport athlete? What would, what would Jesus be into? You know, I, I'm pretty sure skateboarding, probably no, but surfing, yes, 100%, um, obviously. Uh, but, you know, Jesus had a passion, and his passion was to love people extremely, love people to the extreme, to the edge of the unknown. That's what Jesus did. He loved people all the way to the edge. He loved people to his very dying death, his very dying breath. He loved people. Love without limits. He's a picture of love without limits. He loved people with vulnerability. He surprised people with his love. He showed us how far love will go how far it will go to heal, to restore, to redeem his people. 
This is what Jesus did. He loved in an extreme way. And so we are, I want to invite you to open your Bibles if you have them today. We're going to also have it on the screen. We're in a, a series on the Sermon on the Mount, getting back to the basics of what did Jesus teach? What did he really teach? What is his main message? And, and it really is this, his kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus is coming. It's coming, it's available to you, it's available to anyone it's coming, it's available, and you can step in it actually right now. This is his message, and this is what he's showing us in the Sermon on the Mount. Any, any Marvel nerds out there? Anybody? Any Marvel nerds? A few, a couple of them. Yeah, Doctor Strange, he's this weird character, obviously, name, namesake. Um, he, he does this, this power he has, and he, what he does is he makes this circle, and all of a sudden you can see into a new universe, and you can see what's going on in that universe. And this is, this is kind of what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's painting this picture for us. He's saying, this is what my kingdom looks like. This is it. This is what people who, who come under the rule and reign of, of me and my Father and the Holy Spirit, this is what they look like. This is how they act. This is how they love each other. And so we've been walking through this, and um, I love what Dallas Willard said. He says, we're looking into another world, a divine world leaping out from the pages, our amazing promises to those who give their life to this new world through their confidence in Jesus. And so we've seen a, a countercultural people that prioritize different things than the rest of the world. Prioritize healthy and real and authentic relationships above money and power and other things. They, there are people who know how to handle anger appropriately, a people who, who, who believe in the, the gift of, of sex and marriage and hold it sacred, the people who, who just bring light and life and joy to those around them a people who have been deeply changed by God. This is what we're seeing, this, this picture. And today we come to a picture of love without limits. This is, this is part of the climax of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gets extreme. And, and, and you read these passages and you're like, really? This, this is what we're called to? This is so hard. So we're going we're gonna to dive right in. Matthew 5, 33 to 30 to 48. I'm going to actually read uh, just a section at a time. We're going to talk about it. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because Heaven belongs to God's throne. And do not say by earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head. You cannot turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. What is Jesus saying here? Love is a transparent love. Love without limits is a transparent love. Jesus is simply telling his followers that utter honesty 
is what we want, is what we, we need, is how the kingdom operates. Utter honesty. Is anybody here taking any vows recently? Anybody? Any newlyweds in the house? Maybe a couple over here, Simon and Maddie. Uh, you know, n- vows are not something we take every day or, or every so often even. I, I think the last time I took vows was 24 years ago to my wife, and uh, that was a long time ago. So what is he talking about? Don't take any vows. I'm like, well, I, I don't do a lot of vows. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I used to say, if I really meant something, I used to say, like, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Did you ever say that? Anybody? Anybody still say that? Michael, you do? Yeah. Um, so if I'm really serious, that's what I'm going to say. But what, what, is Jesus, what, what is Jesus saying here? You know, the first century, how would readers have, how, how, would, how would the first century thinkers have been thinking about this? And, and I think it's important to know that there was a system of dishonesty that was created among God's people. The Pharisees created this system of oaths and vows, and, and if you said the vow the right way, you had to tell the truth, but if you said the vow the wrong way, or, or maybe you, you said a different kind of vow, you could kind of fudge the truth. So there was this system set up that if, if the vow didn't have God's correct name in it, then you were okay, like, not really telling the truth, or maybe not telling the whole truth, or anything but the truth. So this, this system of dishonesty was created among the people of God. And, and Jesus says, that's not how my kingdom operates. We operate in honesty, in being completely honest with one another. Utter honesty is essential for community to thrive. It's essential for right relationships. That we, that's what we've been talking about is how do we have right relationships with God, with each other, with ourselves, and with the world? And, and it's about honesty. Love is transparency. This isn't just a first century problem, is it? Systems of dishonesty we've seen in the church in the last few years even. Systems of dishonesty being uncovered, of spiritual and physical abuse being, being glossed over for the sake of fruitfulness, for the sake of saving face. You just look around. I don't know if you've, you've heard the rise or fall of Mars Hill, or you've heard of Hillsong, or SBC, or the Catholic Church, the, these institutions that created systems of dishonesty. And it's, it's no wonder that people have left the church in droves, and people are skeptical about the church. And we could say that it grieves the heart of God. It's hard to hear. It's, it's hard to, as a pastor, even process what is happening in the church globally. What do we do? And, and I don't have answers, but I, I can say um, that we want this to be a place, a family of healing, a family of restoration, a family of truth, where people can be real and authentic and bring everything here to the table. I met with a man a, a few weeks ago, and he had come out of a setting where, uh, where politicking and power plays happened, and he was just really hurt by his, his last experience in church, and he wanted to know, what, what do we do here? How, how is this place different? Because it's scary to get involved 
And so we had a great conversation, a dialogue about the systems and structures that have been set up in this church and how authenticity and, and truth-telling, and we say a culture of candor and a climate of trust is how we operate. And we have leadership team and staff team and an executive team and a finance team, and there's, a, there's checks and balances. And I'm not saying that we're perfect or we're going to do it perfect, but, but we have some systems of truth set up. And, and I, I just want to encourage you with that, too. And if you have questions about that, please come talk to us. So I think Jesus is talking about a, a culture of truth, but also individually he's talking to us and saying, I want utter honesty. I'm calling people to utter honesty in themselves, too, with, with each other and in relationship. Listen to this from Thomas Merton. The problem, with the problem of sincerity is a problem of love. If we only loved one another, we would have no difficulty trusting one another and sharing truth with one another. Truth with one another. David, in Psalm 51, he says, I desire truth in your inmost being. Surely, God, you desire truth in my inmost being. Psalm 51, 6. There's a lot I could say about this. I'm going to keep this kind of short, but it's impossible to be truthful to others if we're not truthful with ourselves. This is where it starts. It starts knowing what's actually going on inside of, of you. What is the truth inside of you? What are you wrestling with? What, what is triggering you? You know, one of the first questions Jesus or God asks in the whole Bible one of the first questions, Adam and Eve, they, they just committed sin, they're, and they're, they're kind of hiding out, and what does God ask them? Anyone remember? Where are you? Just write that question down. Where are you? What a great question. He invites us. It's not, it's not that God doesn't know where they are. Of course God knew where they are. But God is inviting them to self-reflect. Where are you? Where are you? Where, where is deception and duplicity manifest itself in your life? I'm doing a practice right now called Respire, a spiritual practice. Um, it's from Dallas Willard, and it's an exam every day. I just at the end of the day, I, I rate myself. Sounds kind of silly, but I, I just think about my day and my life, what's going on inside of me, and and I rate myself on these five things, my spiritual life, my physical life, my intellectual life, relational life, and my emotional life. And, uh, and it's a way to, to check in and just, be, just answer that question, where are you? And be truthful with myself. God is calling us to a transparent love, and it starts with knowing where we are. I'm going to get to the second part here. He calls us to another love without limits, a surprising love. Listen to this from uh, Matthew 5, 38. You've heard the law. It says the punishment must match an injury, must match the injury, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken, give your coat too. 
If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Really, Jesus? Really? Turn the other cheek? What is he talking about? Who can do this? Who could live this kind of life? This is a surprising love. You think these people, all these, these four illustrations were, must have been so surprised, or they, they would just would bring such a surprising emotion to, to having a reaction this way. A surprising love. Are we supposed to just be pushovers? Are we supposed to just let people walk all over us? Is that what this life's about? This is a hard teaching. This is one of the oldest laws that Jesus is, is talking about here in the ancient world, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It's also called lex talionis, and it, it means a tit for a tat, you know? And what it was, it was actually a fair law, it was in, and people would understand this. It was a law that protected all kinds of people, it protected community, because uh, you would be sure that the person who committed the crime would get a fitting punishment. And so that would, that would be, you know, they wouldn't get too much punishment, they wouldn't get too little punishment. And then on the other side, it would, it would help prevent revenge, because you knew the person was going to get punished in the right way. That seems fair, right? We all kind of feel that in our, in our, in our heart, like, yeah, that's, that's how it should be, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, no, this is love in my kingdom looks different. It looks like non-retaliation. It surprises people. It's, it's about generosity. It's about going another step. And just to be clear, he's not saying that we should be silent when we see social injustice or people being treated unfairly. He's, he's also not saying we should be unconditionally walked over. What he's saying is when we're personally hurt, when we feel that, and, and you probably felt it this week at some point, where you were, you were asked to do something you didn't want to do, you were, you, you were hurt by something someone said, it's then, it's in that moment that we put on love and we react with love. How hard is that? I was a couple months ago, I was riding my scooter up Santa Barbara Street, you know, up by Alice Keck Park right there, and, and I'm driving up, and I'm going maybe 20, 25, and having a great day after work, going home, excited to get home, and about 50 yards up, I see this SUV just kind of slow down and go really slow, and it just put my antenna up, and I, I start slowing down. I'm like, don't know what this person's doing. I think they're maybe turning right. And so I get a little closer to them, and they make, out of the right-hand lane, they make a left turn in front of me. And uh, thankfully, thank God, I was only going, you know, eight miles an hour or so, maybe 10. I had to drop my bike and roll onto the pavement. And uh, gosh, it was sh I shook me up, because we've had people in our church that have been hit on scooters, if you didn't know that. Um, and uh, gosh, I, I, was, I was shaken up. I was a little just disheveled. And I got up, made sure I wasn't OK. And the first thing out of my mouth was, what were you thinking? <laughs> You know, and that was just, it was probably, a, it was probably not as nice as that too, but um, it's from what I'm remembering. 
And I, I just remember after I, after I felt okay and I think I was going to be all right, I had a couple scratches on me, I, I remember just saying a prayer because this old woman got out of the car and, and I just, uh, you know, I, I know she was scared too. And I just asked God to give me kindness and help me respond in a better way and not to escalate things. And um, so we, we had, she, she was super gracious and, and helped me fix the scooter and all that. But our first reaction is so often just retaliation, isn't it? It just comes out a tit for a tat. I love this, uh, this passage out of Romans 12. I'm just going to read this part. Uh, don't hit back. Paul encourages us. These are, he, he's been listening and seeped in the teaching of Jesus. He says, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, God says. I'll take care of it. Verse 20, 21, listen to this. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. If he's thirsty, go get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Don't you love that line? Your generosity will surprise them with goodness. What a picture for us to think about. Who could you surprise with love this week? Maybe that should be a spiritual practice as you wake up just thinking, God, who could I surprise with your love? Who could I react in a way that's going to just help, just shake people up a little bit? Whoa, that's different. That's not what I was expecting. It's not what I was expecting from a Christian. That's not what I was expecting from that person. What if, what if we were a community that, that really measured our success on how many people we surprised with love? It would be a different community, wouldn't it? be awesome. Surprise people. What a, what a great calling. What a hard, hard, extreme teaching. But it, it gets harder. It gets more extreme right here in this next section. Are you ready? Here it is. You've heard the law that says... Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Wait, does the Old Testament say hate your enemy? That's not a trick question. No, it doesn't. What's Jesus talking about here? Well, the Pharisees, they they took this logical jump because love your neighbor was what we were commanded to do. But then they say, well, if we're going to love our neighbor, that also means we get to hate our enemy, right? So that was the teaching of the day was love your neighbor, but you can hate your enemy. And Jesus says, no, you've heard that said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind to your friends, how different, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. A radical love. He takes us deeper. He's like, are you serious, Jesus? How is this possible? You love your, your enemies. 
loving your enemies. Who are your enemies? I think our world has, has told us our enemy is out there. It's, it's like Joe Biden or Donald Trump, or it's Putin, or it's Taliban, or it's ISIS, or whoever it is. It's out there, and, and if they don't think just like me, they're my enemy. That's what our world is, is telling us to, to delve into and to be a part of that kind of thinking. And, and I think it's great to pray for those leaders and pray for those people that bother us that are out there. But I, I think the enemy, is it's, it's around us. It's people we interact with. It's that person who maybe made you feel small this week in front of other people. Maybe it's that person that, that said something behind your back. Maybe that person that, that betrayed you. Maybe that person that just, when you, when you think of their name, your blood just starts to boil a little bit. Does anybody have an enemy out there like me? Anybody? Am I the only one? Got a couple? Okay. Can you think of anybody? Love your enemy. Wow. What an extreme teaching from Jesus. You know, one guy who we can see got this right was Martin Luther King Jr., maybe the penultimate example other than Jesus of someone who, who was able to be filled up enough with God that he could love his enemies. He said this, returning hate for hate multiplies hate adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, he is setting up a profound and ultimately inescapable admonition. Love your enemies. What stood out to me was, was that word, that, that little phrase, in that way you will be acting like true children of God. In that way, from the scripture, you, when, you, when you love your enemies, when you pray for those, your enemies, you're acting like true children. What does that mean? That means that, that my identity, when I get hurt, my identity gets wrapped up in pain and hurt, and being a victim of something. And I can stew on that, and I can, I can live in that. And when I pray for my enemy, and I love my enemy, God frees me from that. I find my true identity is being a child of God, is being a child of the Most High, a child that's loved unconditionally. You see, then, in that way, you become like true children of God. And here's the last part. Be, this is verse 48, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay, Jesus, really? That's it? No way! Be perfect? What's it talking about? How is this possible? I can't do that? Is your inner perfectionist just like going crazy right now? Like, what is he saying? Any recovering perfectionists out there? No? couple people. Um, but wow, be perfect. You know, this word, it's not what we think it is. It, it's, it's not. And, and a first century person, and, and to read a little deeper into the scripture, it, it's the word teleos. It's, it's teleos. It's a word that means complete, 
mature. The message translates it, grow up. It's, it's, I, I think a great translation would just be, be completely loving in all that you do. Still a brutally hard teaching. Be completely loving in all that you do. Notice what Jesus is not saying. He is not saying be perfect in your theology. Be perfect in your, in your dogma. Be perfect in your religious practice. Be perfect in every way. It's not what, what this journey with Jesus is about. He's saying be completely loving. This is what I'm calling you to. Such an extreme teaching. Let me take you to one of my favorite places in Yosemite. This is the bottom of El Capitan. Anybody stood at the bottom of El Capitan? Just raise your hand if you stood there, you know, and you get to the, this wall of granite. It's 3,000 feet tall, and you look up. I wish I could just, just, we could, like, transport there. That'd be so cool right now. So you just look up at this. Just pretend with me. You just look up at this face, and, and you're thinking, you know, there's people climbing up there, and you're like, there's no way. That's impossible. No one could do that. And then there's one guy that decides, I'm going to climb that without ropes. You're like, that, that's really impossible. And he did it. Alex Honnold, there's a, there's a documentary about him. And, it, and it's crazy to think about. And when I read this scripture, as I was soaking in it this week, I was just like, this feels like El Cap. There's no way. There's no way I can go up there. Are you calling us to something that's impossible? And yet there's one person who did it. Jesus, in this passage, he's really describing himself. He's describing how he loved, how he loves how he loves you. The scriptures tell us that when we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. He, he laid on that cross, was nailed to the cross, and it shows his unbelievable, impossible love for you. He lived this out. He lived it out. And I... You know, we, the, the only way we have a chance of living this out is if he gets inside of us. The only way. There is no other way. His love is more powerful than anything. And when we open our hearts to him, when we open our hearts just a little bit more to his love, we are able to, to live out this impossible love that he calls us to. And so I, I want to invite you this morning to just open up your heart a little bit more, a little bit more to his love. I don't know where you came in this morning. I don't know what was going on, but I've just been praying for you all week and just praying that God would just put a little bit more of his love in your heart so that we can live this out in our community, this radical, extreme love. 
We have this, uh, I'm going to close with this, we have this beautiful ficus tree in our front yard, and um, these are, you can't really see them probably, but uh, it's a jar of little balls that this ficus tree drops. Does anybody else have one of these trees? They're really amazing until they start dropping these balls. <laughs> and literally, I will, you know, sweep, blow, get them all out of my property, and an hour later, it's covered. I'll do it again, and then the next day. I feel, I feel like there's 100,000 balls being dropped. I wish I knew the number, because it's just like, this is insane. And it gets so frustrating. I start walking and track them in the house. It's just this constant battle. And so this weekend, I just I had a, a new spiritual practice that I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reframe these balls. These balls are no longer frustrating me. This is going to be a symbol of God's amazing, unfailing love for me and for my family. And just what a, what a shift that made as I see those balls every day, walking every moment. You know, I'm tempted just to leave them now. Can I do that, honey? <laughs> tempted to leave them everywhere. So I want you to... I actually want you to stand up with me in your chair, in your, uh, where, you, where you're at right there. I'm going to have the band come up, and I want you to just picture something. Maybe just put your hands out and just picture something in your life today that is abundant, that is vast, that you see every day. It could be the ocean. It could be the beach. It could be... Um, plants, flowers, whatever, just something in your life that you could just, just in your mind's eye, I want you to just picture that. Hold that before you. What is God saying to you this morning about his love? for you. How vast and never-ending, ever-pursuing God's love is. And if you would, just, just open up your heart a little bit more this morning for God to just cram some more of his love inside there. Just know that you are loved 100% right now. That there's nothing you could possibly do to make God love you any more, any less. God's love is all around you. It is in you. It is empowering you to live this way, this life of love. But first, we need to let it get inside and change us and mold us and shape us. And so, God, we just pray to that end that you would, God, bring your love deeper, deeper inside of us. God, we want more. We want to experience more of your life-changing, life-transforming love. And just keep your eyes closed for a minute. I was specifically just, just thinking about a few groups of people, and if this relates to you, just hold this. Maybe you realize today that 
you are struggling with an enemy. That you have some deep-seated anger about someone who feels against you. And you need God's love to help you forgive, help you experience freedom. If that's you, I just, I just put your hand up. Just say, that's me. I need, God, I need your freedom. Maybe you're ready to just ask for more. You're just like, God, I'm standing at the bottom of this mountain, God, and I want to receive more of your love. I need more transformation. You just want to open your heart to more of what he has for you. If that's you, just raise your hand. Put your hand up as a response. That's it. I want more of you, God, more of your love. And last group here, maybe you came in and you have never really opened your heart to God's love. Never really experienced the depth of his love for you and for what he did for you. And you want to experience that we want to walk with you in that. If that's you, just, just put your hand up. Just let us know. You're, that's, that's what I want, God. Hmm. Thank you. Amen. We're going to have a time of worship and... This, we don't do this every Sunday, but I just, uh, I just feel like there's, there's a time right now to pray for some people, pray for those of you who raised your hand. We would love to pray for you. And what I want you to do, if, if you're one of those people that raise your hand, we're going to just worship together. We're going to stay standing. Love to have you come down and just stand in the pit down here. And our prayer team is going to just mingle, and they're just going to pray over you. Just lay a hand on your shoulder and pray for you. And just pray for God to open up your heart, to crack your heart open a little bit more today. Okay, so if that, if that was you, let's come on down. We're going to sing together and worship and just let's...